Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I love my man Andrew Siciliano. He's the best, but uh-huh. he kept reminding everybody that, you know, the Rams are playing their twos here as when the Raiders were driving it down the field. Well, the Rams only have twos. I mean, who are the starters for the Rams? Who are they besides the great Aaron Donald? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we have preseason week number two. It concludes tonight, Monday Night Football. We'll have the Ravens and the Commanders. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on. But what were some of your big takeaways from week two? We're now less than three weeks away from the regular season. It's starting to feel a little bit more real now that we've progressed throughout this preseason. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to take away. There's a lot to overreact to. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> tremendous uh, uh, information out there that I think is is interesting. And, you know, watching all the games, I was fortunate enough to to fly from, I think I flew from Philly to Phoenix. So mm. what, I was able to get that NFL Plus and watch it on the airplane. You know, can we just take a moment to detour here? Look, I know the, the home announcers have to be homers, <laughs> but... I have never heard Homer like that. Like, this is Homer to a level you've never seen before. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. During the Rams-Raider game, I love my man Andrew Siciliano. He's the best. But uh-huh. he kept reminding everybody that, you know, the Rams are playing their twos here. That's <laughs> when the Raiders were driving it down the field. Well, the Rams only have twos. I mean, who are the starters for the Rams? Like, seriously, who are they besides the great Aaron Donald? You know, I mean, like, who are they? They have nothing but twos, but it's just funny how how it's all propaganda, and you know you can just see the passion in the you know the fan bases, and they they get hook, line, and sinker on it. But it it really was remarkable. I, I got to tell you, it it was it's fun to listen to. It really is. I thought Rick Venturi of Indianapolis is by far. If you want to learn football, I'm just telling you. If you want to study football, learn football. He puts out a video every week of the opponent. It's the best video you're going to listen mm. to in terms of break down the opponent and his coverage and his understanding of the game. And he does it in simplistic terms. He's really good. You know, he's football. It's not all just puff pieces and, hey, let's go down and interview Cooper Cup and see how he's feeling today. <laughs> I was going berserk. I mean, they're interviewing Cooper Cup and I'm missing plays. I mean, we got to craft a message. That's part of the preseason package is crafting a message, building a narrative and selling it to the fan bases. Hey, get excited. We're going to have a good season this year that we know three, four weeks in that reality actually starts to set in. But in August, August is the season of optimism, Michael. So we got to go ahead and preach optimism to the fan base and let them know that if the opposing team is stuffing it down our throats, it's just the twos that are out there. It's just. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I heard. I was watching the San Francisco one. I heard. I heard the announcer. I think it was Tim Ryan. Great guy. He's good. You know. Mm-hmm. He had Sam Darnold playing with. He had Sam Darnold down at USC playing with Pete Carroll. Like I don't think they ever crossed paths. Like you know. They did like, not. They did not. I mean, like it's like okay. Like I get it. You know. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, look, I I make a thousand mistakes on name pronunciations and yeah. all that. I get it. You know, we're all going to make them, but it's just to me, it's like. Whoa, it just gets a little too over the top. So what I was doing, Femi, what I was doing mm-hmm. is other than the Colt game, I love Rick. Uh, I just I had I had a JFK. This is one of the best podcasts I've listened to. Mm. If you're an assassination buff like I am, mm-hmm. this one is really good. This is called uh it's called the JFK uh let me just get the correct name. It's called JFK Solving JFK. Okay. And it's done with this lawyer, Jeff Crumpton, I believe his name is. He's from Cincinnati or somewhere. And basically he presents both sides of the argument. So he it's a first series as he goes through, he uses the Warren report, he uses uh, Vincent Begalosi's book, which is crap. He uses Gerald Posner's book, which is crap squared. Uh you know, he uses all and then he uses James, uh, Jim Garrison's investigation. He uses uh, 
He uses uh, Joe Mellon's book. He, so he uses all these different, and he, so he comes up with kind of, and he treats you like you're a juror. Now, mm. if you listen to this pod and you think Oswald was up there alone, th- then don't even bother me anymore, please. <laughs> okay, but that's beside the point. But it's really good. So I'm listening to the pod and I'm watching the games. I mean, like you can't get four hours of better than that. You really can't. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess you could listen to the broadcast. Maybe that would enhance it a little bit more. But I, but I stopped so, that once so I realized that we were in we were in Homer territory. I'm like, I'm done here. Like this yeah. is enough. We're I almost can't. out of it, though. We're almost out. Of I'm it. not like, that I'm happy. Not. I can't be that happy. You know, it's like it's like you know some you know like some teams are just they coach happy. Yeah. I, I I grew up in an environment we don't coach happy. Well, uh, I think you know. Well, my favorite line from the Homer broadcast is. I mean, they're going to have a tough time cutting down to 53. Oh, There's so much does. talent on this roster. Oh, uh, every team's, every scout, uh, after they get gone through going through the buffet line, every scout is saying to everybody, you know, we got way too many guys. I don't know how we're going to yeah. cut this team. You know, and then when they win three games, boy, we really suck. You know, we really suck. I don't know how we do this. You but, know? but back in August, it was a tough time cutting down oh, to 53. Cut, though. Tough hard time. Cut, a lot of depth on this roster. You know, I mean, San Francisco has three of the best quarterback room in, in the in the country. I, I saw that this week, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm buying it. I'm in. I'm fully in. Yeah. Best quarterback room ever. I'm sure I'm sure that wasn't an advertisement from the great 1-800-JOHN Lynch. Just call him up. He's got the best well, quarterback room. But let's put that off to the side for now because let's talk about a team that we might actually be able to take something away from and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers and this is a team that we've discussed over the offseason saying that hey Mike Tomlin he's never had a losing season his teams are always well coached always ready to go early on in the year and we've seen that through two weeks of the preseason now nobody's saying to hang a banner because it's just preseason games and the results don't matter but how they're playing on the field does matter and I was watching that game yesterday I was watching the replay of it on NFL Network and I watched about the first quarter and a half because after that I was like all right I don't really want to watch any more of it but the first quarter and a half they came out with their hair on fire and absolutely took it to the Buffalo Bills, who were playing their number one players yeah. out there on the field. Oh, I, I, I was impressed with it. I watched that whole game. I watched the tape of it here, too, when I got to Tucson. I watched that game, and, and they, they, were, they were the better team on that day. And, and, and let's just put this out there, and this is good for Buffalo. This is really good for Buffalo. Buffalo was yeah. trying. I mean, Buffalo was trying. It wasn't like Buffalo just couldn't get in rhythm. I think they had 13 penalties in the first half or 12 in the first half. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get going and they couldn't get in any kind of rhythm. And Pittsburgh was playing and Pittsburgh takes, you know, Wayland takes that run. And if you're a Buffalo fan and, you know, one of the things you have to understand about when you have great safety play in football is when you have really good safety plays, you don't give up big plays. Mm-hmm. You know, the longest run we gave up in 1994 when we had the great Eric Turner and Steve Stefan Moore who played safety was 24 yards. When you have great when you have great safety play, you don't give up big runs. And Wayland took that thing and and I think it was I think it was Poyer or Hyde. I think it was Poyer. He couldn't get him on the sideline. Like he couldn't get that kid. That kid's a free agent from Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah. that's remarkable. Warren, I mean, I called him Wayland. Uh, J- Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean he's incredible, and so but I thought Pittsburgh came out with a with a with a kind of a demeanor and a, and a, and a sense of toughness to their team. Look, I'll, I'll say this to you: Pitts is they open up at home against San Francisco. San Francisco is not going to walk in there and have an easy day in the park. There's just no chance on that. Yeah, I was actually even looking at the line for that game to see if people have sort of been reacting to what we've seen so far through training camp and preseason. And those threes that are out there on the market are starting starting to get bought. Like We're seeing now two and a half. The 49ers now favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot of optimism for Pittsburgh, especially in that spot week one at home against the 49ers. But I want to get back. shocking, right? I mean, this is shocking. I mean, I see a bunch of two and a halves. There's still yeah. some threes out there. But on my board, which takes all the books, not just DraftKings, because sometimes you have to see all the some mm-hmm. all the books all over. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no money coming in on San Francisco. There's tickets on San Francisco. Mm-hmm. This game's got this game has thirteen thousand tickets written already for it. It's got more tickets written for it than it does the than the, the, the Thursday night the, the opening day game. Yeah. No. That's so that a- tells you something right there that the that the people that are watching and studying it. Are betting this, and there's only four percent of the money on San Francisco. Now the ticket count favors San Francisco, fifty-two mm. to forty-eight, but there's just four percent of the money. I mean, Jacksonville, Indianapolis is the most bet game of the Sunday going in, including the Thursday night game. No, excuse me, Houston, Baltimore, Houston, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Indy, and then San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and then it goes Detroit, KC. 
So, I mean, those are the ones that people are targeting. But I could see Pittsburgh. I mean, take that three now if you like it. Yeah, no, I think that's one. Like, if you want three with the Steelers at home, you better bet that right now. Find a sportsbook that has it because there's not that many that are left. Two and a half is widely available here across the great state of Nevada. But back to the Buffalo point, and you said that this is going to be good for them. You mentioned the penalties, 13 penalties, 93 yards. After the game, Sean McDermott, the head coach, said this. He said it's unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable, point blank. Guys have got to take ownership of it and responsibility for it. It's not like we don't talk about discipline. That's a part of our environment, but obviously we've got more work to do there. So now he has a coaching point after seeing his team kind of get embarrassed out there earlier this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's got their attention, which is what you want, right? I mean, he's got their full attention. And as they get ready to play the Jets, they're just not going to be able to walk over there and just say, okay, here we go. I mean, Mm -hmm. they struggled to move the ball with consistency. And you saw Pittsburgh get after their offensive line. I mean, Highsmith was really good in the game. Uh, And the speed of Pittsburgh's defense seems like it's really improved. So, look, you know, Pittsburgh, for a team that got blown out by Buffalo last year, what remember the 99-yard pass and all that? I mean, Pittsburgh has a demeanor about them right now that I don't think is just preseason demeanor. I think they're prepared. You know, we love their coach. We know he's tough. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna fall prey for the accolades in preseason. He's smart enough to know that. But you know, Pickett protects the football. You know, great throw to Firemuth for the touchdown right down the seam. Yep. Their special teams look good. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to like about Pittsburgh. Now I know they play in the hard north. But I, I think people have discounted them because everybody's got caught up with Detroit. Detroit, Detroit's finished. Look at Detroit. Look at Detroit. Pittsburgh was better than Detroit at the end of the year. Yep. I mean, Pittsburgh was 7-2. and two. If you take out the Cincinnati game where they lost 37-30, to 30, they gave up an average of like 12 points a game for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Uh, and Dolphins fans probably don't want to hear me say this. And I think I said it on the podcast at the time. I was rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get into the playoffs last year. I, I wanted the Jets to beat the Dolphins in that week 18 game because the way Pittsburgh was playing at the end of last season, I was like, they can really give somebody a hell of a game. Now, the Dolphins ended up giving the Bills a game. So I got to give them credit. There was Skylar Thompson starting at quarterback. But Pittsburgh was playing with like they had a look to them. And that's carried yeah. over throughout the offseason. And we've seen it now. And, and this is a young, hungry team. That offense, I mean, Pick, Pickett is in year number two. George Pickens is in year number two as well. You got nine. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in the backfield. The offensive line has some youth to it as well. They're young and hungry. And on defense, that's a top five unit on that defense. I mean, you have impact players all throughout that defense. Well, they've been looking to replace Ryan Shazier for years. Now, I'm not saying Alandon Roberts is going to do that, but they needed more speed inside. Obviously, with Miles Jack retiring, he wasn't the guy that did it for him last year. Mm-hmm. So we're saying, hey, we're not hanging banners. Just, we're not hanging banners, but just keep an eye on the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially early on in the season. I think that maybe by October we could be talking about them perhaps leading the AFC North with a long way to go. All right, we'll get into some of the other news and notes. We'll get to Trey Lance and all that's going on there. We're also going to get to Danny Dimes and the Giants. First team offense look good as well. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. 
Okay, we've held off long enough, Michael. Let's talk about the quarterback room in San Francisco. The 49ers, they beat the Denver Broncos earlier this weekend, 21 to 20 in preseason week number two. Brock Purdy, he got the start, four of five, 65 yards. Sam Darnold then came in, 11 of 14, 109, a touchdown and an interception. And then Trey Lance, 12 of 18, 173, a TD and an interception. Led the game-winning TD drive, Trey Lance there. So uh, after watching the tape of those three quarterbacks, what is your assessment after week two of the preseason? Well, I mean, Purdy's going to be the starter. That's pretty clear. Yeah. I, I, Darnold's going to be the backup, and Trey Lance is going to be what Trey Lance is going to be, the third I, I don't see them. It, to me, if they dress Lance, will they put a package in for Lance? I don't know. I mean, I don't see him as that kind of runner. Uh, look, look at the end of the game, you know, you lead a team back. That's great. You know, and they gained what? Uh, I think they gained 149 yards on the last two drives. He threw, you know, a dig route through slants. It's great. You know, it's two minute and he executed. So give him credit. But at the end of the day, that's not that's it's that's not the game or the competition you're going to face. So mm. I, I wouldn't say it deterred me at one bit at all. I mean, earlier in the game, he threw an interception on screen. It got tipped up in the air. I mean, look, I, if the, if this is the best quarterback room in the league, you know, I got to reevaluate some things here. <laughs> I really do. We have a couple blue chip quarterbacks in the uh, from the Niners room when we do blue chip QBs. Little on later. This yeah, week. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> yeah, think okay. so. But I mean, Purdy's back. You know, I think I I think they're going to have to do a good job of protecting. I mean, look, they go to say they go into Pittsburgh. It ain't going to be easy now. I mean, that's not going to be an easy game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Kyle will do a great job of scheming it up and their defense. You know, the San Francisco Denver game was somewhat interesting in the sense that. You know, Russell, I didn't think looked very good. I mean, they went to Stidham fairly early. They gave Stidham a lot of reps in the game. They tried to move Russell. We had a 17-yard run earlier in the game, kind of took off. But I don't get the sense the Broncos are in rhythm yet offensively. No. Part of training camp is figuring out who are you, right? Like, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Who are you? And that's not sometimes when you're trying to uh, develop an offense, a new offense. That takes more than just a training camp to figure it out. Well, I want to ask you something about Denver here, but I got to ask about Trey Lance. Did you see improvement from week one to week two? Because I think that's what Niners fans really wanted to see and why last week was so jarring that it looked like he even got worse than what we'd seen in previous years. Well, I think early in the game, in the third quarter when he took over, there wasn't much improvement. But I think once he started to get into a rhythm, I think he completed it out, and then he kind of got into a rhythm in the two-minute. He executed the two-minute, which there's certainly a lot to like about that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he threw the in-cut, and, you know, he made some throws. He made a touchdown. You know, the, I'll tell you, the Ronnie Bell kid was sensational, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, he was, was really good. a big-time guy at Michigan. Just got hurt I mean, he, dealing with injuries. He was really good. I mean, to me, I, I don't, you know, he had seven catches for 114 yards. So, uh, you know, I think he made a lot of it. But look, give him credit. He ran the two minute drill. Now, the two minute drill, uh, especially in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, is not going to be a real hard, complicated coverage. I mean, you're going to play cover one, or you're going to play, you're going to play cover three, and that's really about it. So, you're just going through that. And and he executed. I, I, look, it didn't deter me one way or the other because it's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. So if that's if that's what you're going to hold on to, should we put Aiden O'Connell in the Hall of Fame? Many are asking. <laughs> many, <laughs> many, many are asking. I mean, he like, looked good like, again. <laughs> he did look good. But again, it's preseason. And, and, and what have I said all along? Veteran quarterbacks should look good in the preseason. They yeah. should. Yeah. If they don't, then you have big problems. Like, like yeah, as big, we, we talked about that with Zach Wilson. It's like, hey, we want to see him look good. And he's looked good at times in the preseason. It's like, okay, he's seen regular season tape. Now this is a preseason. He should look much better than what we've seen in the past. And we've seen that from Zach Wilson. On the Denver side, though, do you think that we need to pump the brakes on optimism about the Broncos? Because when they hired Sean Payton, it's like, okay, now they have a real coach, a Super Bowl winning head coach they're going to be the team that we thought they would be when they first got Russell Wilson. Do we need to pump the brakes in year one, and maybe it's going to take a little bit more time than we anticipated? I think we need to pump the brakes on him just flipping Russell Wilson around. Like, I think that's just not going to be as easy as you might suspect. I I think when you break that down, it's going to take a little bit of time, right? I I think that's kind of where we are. I, I, I didn't see Russell being dynamic or in command, if you will, really having a sense. I see him, I saw him like it, it's hard. 
So I, I would temper that a little bit. How good they are on defense, I don't know. Again, you know, we don't you don't see all these guys playing together, so it's challenging. Yeah. You know, and I think it's hard to come together. The offensive line for Denver doesn't look like it's there to where he wants it to be yet. And I think that's got to be a little bit of a worse. And look, it's not you, you got to this is it's not you're not a finished product on opening day. You're just a building product on opening day and you're going to eventually get to it. You know, the Steelers are going to improve. I mean, but their execution is what we talked about. That's been that's what you're looking for. You know, teams that like the Lions haven't executed very well in the preseason. Does that mean they're going to get blown out and can't see? No. But, you know, the Panthers haven't executed very well in the preseason. So there's certain things you're looking for. Can you draw any tangible evidence yet? I don't think so. I do think you can say Pittsburgh's a better team than they were last year, and they got better at the end of the year. Well, in talking about that execution to that point, Connor Allen over at 4 for 4 Football tweeted this early this morning about the Broncos starting offense with Russell Wilson during two preseason games. They have five drives, 10 points, and 3.2 yards per play. So clearly they're not in a good spot right now, but you just want to yeah. see some progress. And like you said, like this is not going to be an overnight flip the switch. Russell Wilson's back to being – MVP Russ of the first half of the 2020 season and Sean Payton and, and all systems going. It's going to take a little bit of time. You almost have to like, to me, it seems like they have to kind of build Russell Wilson back up from like start from scratch. Let's build him back up into being a winning quarterback after, I don't know if it was learning bad habits last year or just it wasn't a great fit with Hackett, but whatever I, I last year his eye was. Levels down. I mean, I yeah. think his eye level's down. I don't think he, I think he's worried about the contact. I think he wants to avoid. Now they, he took off and ran for a first down for 17 yards. But I think that's the concern in in Seattle in his last year there was he wouldn't run. And last year he didn't. And to me, if he doesn't climb the pocket and his eye level isn't down the field, that's going to be a concern. for Because Sean can only manufacture so much three-step drops. You can only manufacture quick hitches and outs and boots. I mean, they've run a ton of boots for him. You know, at some point you got to stand behind the quarterback and make a throw. you got to stand behind the center and make a throw. Uh, and I'm not sure he's going to get there yet. It, it's been a little it, – it, he's – if he were a baseball player, you would say he's on the downside of his career. Are you hitting the panic button on the Carolina Panthers offensive line? Because Bryce Young, once no, again back I, there, was he, he was getting I, touched I, up a little bit. He got the shit kicked out. Be not, you don't have to be polite here. Uh, you know, look, I, I think, Carol, look, this has been Frank Wright's to be his biggest issue. He's 0-4-1 at opening games. Does he get his team ready for tra- for the opener? Is his team, the, do they take advantage of training camp? I mean, how many people have caught, lost their survivor ticket because of Frank Wright, right? <laughs> Think about point. that. It costs I mean, people money. <laughs> I mean, he's cost a lot of people money. I mean, if you're in survivor, remember that year they went down to Jacksonville where they had a 10-point favorite mm-hmm. down there? Yeah, it was Jacksonville's and, and, only and, win of the season. <laughs> and he wiped out the whole, I mean, he's Derek Stevens' best friend. He must be, right? I mean, he wiped out a whole section of Survivor. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, when he went to – when he first went to Indianapolis, that the, the staff that he – he inherited a staff in Indianapolis with because McDaniels, remember, took that job and then backed out. And Dave Gooch, you know, a, a really good coach. Dave, Dave was with us in New England. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. It was in Miami. But Gooch could coach, and, and he was and, and he fired Gooch after a year, and that Colt line never got – and he hired his guy to come in. Well, when he goes to Carolina, he's got Campen, and Campen's a really good line coach, right? And Campen had that offensive line really going in the right direction. They were moving. They were making plays. And I think to me, you know, now they're not playing to the same level. Either they get back to the way they played last year and Franks adjust. Or this is going to continue to get ugly, and Campen's going to be a fall guy for something that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, and, and my biggest concern, too, for Bryce Young, we talked about durability being a thing during his draft process. If he continues to get hit, he could be six foot five, 230 pounds. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's eventually I mean, going to get hurt there. They're not even playing yeah. fast yet, Femi. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They're, nobody's playing fast yet. I mean, so you got to be worried. If I'm David Tepper, I'm asking myself, like, mm-hmm. what did Frank do to convince me that he deserved a second chance? Right. Like, what did he do that that makes me feel like I should have hired somebody? Now, they hired him because, you know, like they let Steve Wilkes walk out of the building. They didn't give him the job. Steve Wilkes proved on tape that he made that team better. Mm-hmm. He proved it on tape. Like to me, if I'm Tepper, Tepper's taking no heat for this either. Like he went and hired Wright and and let let Steve Wilkes, who demonstrated that he was really got that team turned around. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and Frank Reich, he was bought in to be the quarterback guru, but you're not making the situation for the quarterback good with an offensive the, line. The guru like that. Card, that 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 label on quarterback guru. I mean, what quarterback has? I mean, you got to go back to Herbert. I mean, like what quarterback? Philip Rivers. I mean, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. I mean, like at some point you lose your guru card mm-hmm. when you don't produce. Like you can't keep carrying your guru card around. Like you just can't have it all the time. The the rule leaves the guru. Like it's just doesn't stay there. Like get your team ready. Like I I I I don't see them being ready to go. I, I like I think Detroit. They haven't played golf. I think Detroit, even though they haven't played well, I think Detroit's getting their team ready. I'm not ready to write them off, but I don't see the Panthers the way their offensive line's playing getting ready. Like New England's offensive line isn't playing very good right now. But they're playing a lot of young guys in their offensive line. They got a lot of injuries. When they had Trent Brown at left tackle, they were better. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's reasons. Sometimes there's reasons. Like nobody in, in, in Carolina is hurt. Like they should be playing and running the ball at a high level. Yeah. And, and so far, what I've seen in the preseason from uh, Iki Aquanu, their first round pick from a couple years ago. Oh, he yeah, looks terrible. Yeah, he looks bad, man. He doesn't look like the same player. It looks, I don't know what's going on or maybe. Tackle's not a good fit. Maybe he needs to play a guard or, or what. No, he played tackle last year and he was yeah. a rookie. He played it and he and he and you know and camp and coached him. I mean, they gotta get this fixed. And they gotta get back to being more physical. Like, I think the other issue is this. I think every every new guru in quarterback play, they <laughs> want the quarterback to be in when they want little quarterbacks to be in shotgun and they think it helps them see. They need to be under center. They need to be under center. It helps It helps balance the run game. It helps separate the defense. Like all this shotgun, you know, they need to be under center more so you can run, so you could run play action. All the boots and all that stuff to help them. And, and that helps the line. Yeah. Keep, the, keep those pass rushers off balance. Don't let them just tee off on your guy. Uh, oh, by the way, to your point about Frank Reich owing people money, last year the Colts knocked out 876 Survivor entries. It was the second most picked team in Survivor last year when they tied with the Houston Texans. Ties don't and win. the year before. How many did they knock out the year before? So that's eight grand he's cost people. <laughs> yeah. We love you, Frank Reich. Or do we? Uh, we'll talk more quarterbacks on the other side. <laughs> to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. You know, the big thing that we've harped on throughout the training camp of the preseason with these young quarterbacks is that we wanted to see improvement. And I thought we saw some improvement from C.J. Stroud. Week one, when they played New England, he looked a little bit rattled and didn't look comfortable, but I thought he looked a little bit more comfortable against the Dolphins, even showed some stuff on the move, making some nice passes. Like, what did you make of C.J. Stroud in his second appearance in the preseason? Well, I mean, he's got a hill to climb that's fairly steep, right? Because mm-hmm. he's never been under center. And, you know, they're going to, with with Slovak, the offensive coordinator in Houston, they're, they're going to run Kyle's offense, and that's under center. And I think that's going to help him. You know, the first drive of the game, they turned the ball over. Tua throws the interception. They turn it over, uh, and they got the ball. You know, they, they move the ball, and he's got a chance to make a couple plays, and they go for it on fourth down, and they try to run fullback in the flat, and they don't block the guy, and he almost gets killed. So, you know, and then I thought he had a nice drive, bring him down. He had to settle for a field goal, but it's going to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, we have we have Stroud is listed as a starter on the betting board, and that line against the Bravens went from 10 down to 9.5 with him as the starter listed. And then D'Amico says he hasn't named a starter yet. So mm. I'd be shocked if it's not Stroud. Look, yeah. I thought Stroud played better this week than he did the week before. You know, their offensive line, they kept their – they don't. They didn't have Xavier – they didn't have the Titus Howard in there, the right tackle. But they, for the most part, they kept their offensive line in there. And they got a lot of kinks to work out. You know, I thought Miami, you know, the opening drive of the game with the interception, but then Miami took the ball – they went 99 yards down the field and made throws and, you know, they were really in their rhythm in terms of, of their offensive game. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, I thought Miami, like Skylar Thompson, that, that's what I expected in week one when I bet the over when they played the Falcons. And uh, he was actually 15 of 22, 157, and three touchdowns. Looked more like the guy that we saw playing in a playoff game a season ago than what the hell he was doing last week. I don't know what that was against Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, I think Stroud, I think the overall point is just, that, hey, we want to continue to see him grow in this new role because it is completely di- – like, it almost feels like he's playing a completely different position 
than what he played at Ohio State, even though it's both quarterback. But from that system to now this Shanahan-style system under center, he's being asked to do things that he was never asked to do when he was right. in Columbus. No, I mean, and so it's going to take some time. Will Anderson, oh, my God, he got a sack in the game. Nobody blocked him, and he got a sack. Sack fumble when he got nobody blocked him, and the, and, and they all went nuts. I Lawrence mean, Taylor? Like, oh, my God, that's why he's the – that's why, oh, my God, everybody went all Dick Vitale. You know, nobody blocked him. Like, nobody blocked him. Yeah. Like, at some point, you know, it's like, you know, you're running routes and you're catching all these passes and you're going against zone and – Okay, great. You know, you caught the pass. I mean, it's great, but it's zone. Like nobody's covering you. Like you're not open. Like no, you don't have to get open. It's funny. It's so good. Uh, we just can't wait. We can't wait. We we got to confirm our priors. The confirmation bias is what the preseason is for. If I like to pre-draft and you make a good play, hit. Here we go. This is what we said. And then if, right. if, if, if and if you don't play, I thought well, it was preseason. I thought it was interesting. He didn't play Case Keenum in the game. He, he went from Stroud to Mills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mills tip, Mills kind of played the way he typically always does. And, you know, 10 for 22, long play of 24 yards, didn't really move the ball. Uh, I, my sense of it is, is because he didn't play Keenum, he's going to – it's Keenum he sees as the backup. Mm. I think it's – I think he sees Keenum as the two because Keenum is the best quarterback on the team right now. Doesn't mean he's the most talented quarterback, but he is the best quarterback on the team right now. But I, I think to me, you know – if to me, he's going to start Stroud. You know, he's going to start Stroud. Hey, look, if you're a Dolphin fan, you know, the the, the guru called 38 runs the other day. You got to be happy. And they gained 200 yards rushing. Yeah, that's what, that's what he was brought in for. Run game guru. He's, that's, uh, he's a run McCann. game. Yeah. That's what his card says. His guru card says run game guru. So they brought him in for that. So you got to feel good about that. 38 rushes for them. That's pretty good. Yeah, they were doing pretty that good. in like two games <laughs> last season there, even though they were winning a lot of games. Uh, let's get over to the Colts and the Bears game because we didn't see the starting quarterback for either team. Not surprising that Chicago didn't play fields, I guess, because it sounds like a lot of these younger veteran guys aren't playing. But I was shocked to see that Anthony Richardson, after being named the week one starter, did not play in this game. Like, like to me, like, I don't know, maybe if I'm overreacting, I shocked, but I was like, this guy, we talked about how he needs to get reps. He needs to get better. Yes, he's your week one starter, but you want to see him out there playing, even if it's for a few series, like, like yeah. at least get him out there. But I think what happened, Femi, is, is here's the problem. You do, but then you don't want to play your starting offensive line. So yeah. if you don't play your starting offensive line, how do you play Richardson? You can't put him back there with a backup line. You just can't. That's not mm-hmm. fair to him. So it's so now you basically Richardson carries – a bunch of other players with him. If he plays, you got to play your starting receivers. You got to play your starting line. You got to play everybody, right? You just can't pick and choose with Richardson. It, that becomes too hard. So once you make the decision, you're not playing your line, you're not playing Richardson. I think that's really what it was. I agree. He needs the reps, but now you're sitting there. They just practiced against the, just practiced against the bears. bears. Yep. They're going to Philly to practice against Philly. So, I get it, right? I get it. You know, I, I get why they wanted to save it. You know, we're seeing some of these practices get canceled. The Green Bay mm-hmm. uh, practice a lot of plays against New England. New England was supposed to go to Tennessee. Unfortunately, Isaiah Bolden had that injury. Yeah. Thankfully, he's okay. Yeah, but they the canceled. And then there was another team that I think canceled their workout. Yeah, too. Houston and New Orleans, I believe, canceled their joint practice. Yeah, so – I think, you know, those joint practices, you're getting a ton of work. So that's like another game. I mean, New England, their practices there were were enormous. There was a lot of work going on up there, and it was good work, right? And so Mm -hmm. it was ones against ones, and and so you could see a lot. And when you get that many plays, I don't know how many plays they ran. They ran a lot of plays. They were on the field. They had the lightning delay there for a while. But for the most part— you know, you're getting like another game out of that without having the brutality of, of tackling. Yeah, but I was talking with our producer, Elliot Bowman, but before, and we were kind of talking about how, hey, like joint practices, they are getting great work there. You're getting ones on ones, good on good, but they're still not that, because like in football, especially for the QBs, there has to be that clock that's going in your head because, hey, I might get hit on this play, so I need to get this yeah. ball out. That's not the case in joint practice because there's the agreement, oh, hey, but- don't hit the quarterback. Right, but you can tell the quarter. You, they're like they tag off. You could tell, like you could tell the guy's not going to make the throw, or you could tell the guy could move out of the way. Like mm-hmm. you can see it. Now the problem is you can't see the when he takes off and runs and what he does all that. Because yeah. once he slides, he's throwing it anyway. You know, so I I don't think you can see that. But but I do think you're right. But the quarterback knows that you know if he's got pressure, he's going to get hit. He's got to get rid of the ball. 
I, I think there's more realistic behavior as best as you could do without it being a full game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the joint practices, but yeah, I just like I like the guys that get out there in an actual game, and also too selfishly as a fan, I want to see these guys play as well. Yeah. Because I'm itching I mean, like for the, football. <laughs> right. So the Jets were supposed to practice against the Bucks twice. And then the Jets just pulled out on one of those practices, which really affected the, the Bucks. I mean, I think the Bucks were kind of annoyed with that because at the last minute, your guy, Robert Sala, said, no, 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 we're only going to go one day. So then the Bucks had to go find a place to practice on, on the next day. They had to go over to the Giants facility to practice because they were supposedly going to have two days with the Jets, and that didn't, that didn't happen. Well, the most interesting thing that came out from the Indianapolis Colts-Chicago Bears games was Jim Irsay hopping on the mic. Over there joining the broadcast. How do you think Chris Ballard must feel when he goes on that mic? Like, here comes Uncle Jim. God knows what he's going to say. He's going to unbuckle. He's like Polly when at, when uh, at the funeral when uh, when they were at, all at the funeral for uh, for J- uh, Jackie Jr. Yep. And he just unbuckles his belts, you know. And I mean, yeah, th- that that's what you feel like. That's exactly who Uncle Jim is. He just probably went in that booth, unbuckled his belt. Talked about his music, you know, and you got to be, if you're Chris Ballard, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, what is he going to say, please? You know, I used to say this about Al Davis all the time. He, Al Davis was like the boat that goes through the wake zone mm. at 80 miles an hour, right? Just flies through it, right? And then you're, you're on your, you got to deal with all the problems once he's gone, mm-hmm. you know? And so, <laughs> you know, that's how I felt about it. What you think? So, well, Ursay said this about the Jonathan Taylor situation. He said, quote, we're excited to have Jonathan Taylor back since he has returned from his rehab stint elsewhere. He said, I know these things are always difficult. I respect any time people are trying to fight for their position, for their families. The biggest thing that I preach is timing is everything. These days, you hope you have less contractual problems because of the way the CBA is. That's what I know Chris Ballard's going to work hard on and try to get the waters as calm as they can and go forward. I'm like, you're, you're the one that's fucking up the waters, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I take Chris Ballard for. I make the mess and he's got to clean it up, right? You know, you know, I, he, he, Chris, clean that up. You know, I just took a dump over here and you're going to have to clean yeah. that up. I trust that, that Chris will clean up my mess and we'll yeah. go ahead and move forward for the shoot. Right, but here's the... Here's the issue. It's easy to say, clean it up, Chris. But okay, if you're Chris now, you know, he's one of your best players, you Mm -hmm. know, but if you go ahead and with, if you reward him with a new contract or with a way to where his behavior gets rewarded, it's a little bit like, you know, how do you do it with somebody else? Like you basically are giving everybody a, a, a uh, a roadmap Mm -hmm. to how to, how to get to it. Now for me, I mean, yeah, put incentives in there, but everything's tied to winning. Everything has to be tied to winning. Like, I'll pay you, Jonathan Taylor, but I'm not going to pay you more money if we don't win. Like, yeah. there's just no chance. Like, we got to have to have – got to have nine wins or ten, eight wins because it won't be – once you tie it to that incentives, it's not likely to be earned. Yeah, well, that's what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley with all the incentives exactly. that he has to hit there. They're like, oh, we got to make the playoffs. we got to do this stuff. And it's, um, it's obviously a lot more difficult than just showing up and getting your money. But one thing that we talked about here was for Shane Steichen, the head coach, and this is his first time being a head coach – like, how do you kind of deal with the situation with a disgruntled player? And you were like applauding them for letting him kind of go away and say, yeah. all right, go away, rehab. Now that he's back, does this like, is that a good idea to have him back around the team, even though he's still unhappy and wants his money? Well, it depends on what his attitude is back. You know, I mean, obviously, Ursay kind of opened the door a little bit to let some light in there to see maybe mm-hmm. they are having a conversation. We're not privy to if, 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 if Chris is talking to his agent or what's going on. So, you know, and being back, he's still on PUP. He hasn't been cleared to play yet. Yeah. So, like, I mean, is he headed to PUP for six weeks? I don't know. Like, uh, to me, when he's back in the building, you know, what what has he done to rehab himself? Is he on the James Harden program, which is not working out? Or is he, you know, what else, what program is he on? Yeah. No, hopefully it's not the James Harden program. <laughs> that that's, yeah, that's the program I'm, you know, I usually am on, you know, like not doing nothing, right, you know? Like, let's just do put, nothing all day long. And put the, put the fat chip. suit on. <laughs> put the fat yeah. suit on and go out and warm up. <laughs> yeah. Lose 10 pounds instantly with sweat. Yeah, imagine that one. Just go sit in the sauna. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Colts, the situation with Jonathan Taylor, I would like to see Taylor with Richardson in that backfield. I think those guys can be really dynamic, especially in the run game. But maybe oh, they yeah. are starting to kind of mend some fences here now that they're open. Speaking about him openly, and Taylor is once again back at Colts camp, but not back on the field, still on the pup list, but maybe with a smile on his face versus the, uh, the frown that he had a couple of weeks ago. All right, on the other side, we'll wrap up the show. We're going to get to 
all the other happenings from around the league. Daniel Dimes, what he's doing in New York. Desmond Ritter, he looked a little impressive as well. And of course, everything else in the NFL. This is the GM Show. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. How about the execution, Michael, for Big Blue Friday night when the oh, Giants wow. were taking on the Panthers? Yeah. Daniel Jones in that first-team offense, 8 of 9, 69 yards, a touchdown. We talk about completions and executing, and the Giants showed that. Like They look like they were ready to go. They've been humming along. I mean, it could have been nine to nine. Waller had a drop on him. You know, Waller was great. They used Waller like uh, Travis Kelsey as an out, mm-hmm. as an outside, you know, inside receiver. Brought him in motion, did all that. You know, look, that that's the one thing. Get Brian Dayball a ton of credit. His team, his execution the last two preseasons have been really good. You know, and I think he works his team to the right level, and it shows. And look, you know, I I didn't think Dimes had a really hard throw to make in the game. And Carolina wasn't playing any complex coverages. I mean, Carolina, you know, kind of seems like a step late in everything. Yeah. But give them credit. I mean, it's the, the, what you want. You want their execution to be at the highest level. Now they got to do it when they do it against Dallas. It's going to be a completely different game. Yeah. I, I wanted to bet Carolina week one against Atlanta, but uh, I don't think I can. Not not with what I've seen. And I don't want to overreact, but just knowing what we know about Frank Reich's history and now also seeing this as the start to the preseason – it doesn't look good for the Panthers, at least to yeah. start the season. Maybe they kind of get things rolling once we get to October. I mean, there's 8,000 reasons not to bet Frank Wright in the opening game. Like, yeah. there's 8,000 reasons. I mean, we've seen it, right? Like, for someone like me to say past performance predicts future achievement, why would I go with yeah. a guy who's 0-4-1 in openers? Nope. You nope. know, it's like, you know, it's it's hard. You know, like, one of the things you have to do, if you want to bet week one, you got to go back and look at the coach and what his, what his team did the week one. You know, we know Andy Reid runs a tough training camp, so he's got his team ready to go. Oh, yeah. Look, he played he played Mahomes in the first game, one series. He played Mahomes three series in the second game against oh, yeah. Arizona because they couldn't move the ball. They struggled to move the ball. You know, they, they got third down. They couldn't convert. You know, they got penalties. So, you know, he played his guys. I, th- I think, to me, that's what you want. Before you handicap it, it's like, does he have his team ready to go, and what's the team look like? Yeah, and Andy Reid tends to be pretty good in September's. Like, and it's not, not a coincidence based on the training camps that he runs and his guys get those reps in the preseason. Speaking of those Atlanta Falcons, we saw the year two debut for Desmond Ritter out there. Seven of nine against the Bengals, 80 yards, threw an interception there on a batted ball near the goal line. But for the most part, Ritter looked pretty crisp. The Falcons offense, we saw Bijan Robinson with a nice 12-yard gain on his first carry. This is, was, I guess, kind of what they were thinking about when they were visualizing what this Falcons offense could be. Yeah, I mean, look, again, Cincinnati's not a great preseason team. We know that, right? They start the five and four the last two seasons. So I think would temper it down a little bit. To Mm -hmm. me, Ritter should be better in the preseason. He needs to uncork it. You know, that drive that he threw the interception, I think they gained like 115 yards, but they didn't score. Like they got penalty and came back. They started from like their own two and went all the way down the field. I think with their offensive line, which is good, I think their skill players are really good. It's going to come down to him pulling the pin, right? He's got to throw yeah. some 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 tight window throws. You know, it's one thing when you're watching preseason and guys are running against zone coverage and they're making catches. Let's temper that down a little bit, right? Like, was it a hard throw? You know, is no, of course not. It's easy. It's like seven on seven. So you can't get carried away with it, right? When a guy's making throws and he's got somebody in his face and there's overloaded pressure or there's odd floater pressures and all that stuff, which we don't see in preseason, right? And that's what happens is the game becomes faster because the schemes become more complex. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you got to temper that. So that's where I think Ritter's going to have to show that he can do that. Now, Carolina, what are they going to show? I think they've been very vanilla in preseason. And defensively, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Do, is there anything that we should read into with this Bucks quarterback competition? Because we saw Kyle Trask play a majority of this game. Baker Mayfield did not play in preseason week two. Todd Bowles came out after the game saying, hey, we wanted to see Trask in that two-minute situation against the Jets defense. Then, unfortunately, John Wolford, he got hurt. And yeah. it was, hey, Trask is the guy that's warm, and it would be unfair to Baker to kind of throw him out there with the backup, backup offensive line in that setup there. So is there anything that we should read into that maybe Baker Mayfield is already established as QB1, even though Todd Bowles has said there's no timetable to when he will name a starter? 
I mean, it's like Todd, if, if he was QB1, Todd would say it, right? Why wouldn't he say it? What's he hiding, you know? I mean, you know, why would you, you, you don't, the, the opening game, I mean, you're getting ready to play Minnesota. You think Minnesota thinks they're going to, you know, you've watched the offense. Both offenses are going to run similar to the path, whether Baker's the quarterback or whether Trask. I actually didn't think Trask was bad. He didn't get a lot of protection. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a lot of heat coming from the Jets. So I, I didn't think he was as bad. And I think Wolford getting hurt went back to, tra- you know, you don't want to go back to a guy who hasn't really taken any reps. Maybe Baker was slightly hurt. Maybe something was wrong. You know, not, there's no injury report right now. Yeah. So when he doesn't say that, you know, Baker didn't play and he doesn't have to say it's because maybe his hamstring was sore. I don't know. I'm just, you know, guessing here. You know, it's like it's all we can do because there's no injury report. Yeah. Yeah. He just said that Trask was warmer at the time and we took out the line and he was ready to go once John Wolford got hurt. So that's why they went ahead and put Kyle Trask in that situation. And Baker Mayfield did not play in week two. We'll see how I they mean, kind of treat the third preseason game here. Yeah. Either way, are the are the Bucks going to be any good offensively? I mean, either way, doubtful. right? Doubtful. I mean, they can't really run the ball. There's no power in their offensive line. You know, they've got a lot of cap. cap they, you know, they, they lose the receiver cage. Their cap is really kind of, uh, you know, they're paying a price for the Soup Bowl. Evans is really underpaid. You know, they could go to Evans and redo his contract and pick up some cap room, which I, I wouldn't, I would suspect they might do that before the season starts because they're going to need to have cap room for the practice, all those things. So there's going to have to be some redo of contracts. But are they good enough? Are they good enough on defense to carry them, right? Are they good enough on defense to carry them? I don't know. I don't have a read on Minnesota yet based on this preseason either. Yeah, I don't yeah. really have a sense of them. Where are they? The, t- the Titans, Malik Willis, what he throw for less than 100 yards, 100 and some yards, you know, mm-hmm. and then they lose Burks to the injury. They're not going to play Hopkins, you know, Chestnut ran the ball really well for Tennessee, but, you know, we don't see Henry. And I think Spears is going to be a great player. It's hard to judge that. You know, Tennessee has not been a very good opening day team. You know, they've lost Arizona at home and they lost to the Giants at home the last two weeks, last two years. Yeah, both of those being home games. Maybe they'll be dialed in on the road. They just need to get away from Nashville. We'll see if that's the case. Um, are you excited about Jordan Love? Jordan Love, 5 of 8, 84 yards against the Patriots, threw a nice touchdown pass as well during the series. Any optimism here about Jordan Love? Because Packer fans are starting to believe. I mean, I think Jordan Love has just got to be good. I don't. Let's not get him great. I think, you know, this when he threw the touchdown pass, to the, the Patriots had taken their coverage guys out of the game. I think it was Wade that was covering. Dobbs made a great play on Bolden earlier on that drive and just got his foot in bounds. It was, it was a good throw, and Dobbs made a great catch. Uh, I'm, I, I think Green Bay has a chance to be really good uh, defensively. You know, they draft Van Ness in the first round. But this 55 kid, I can't say his last name. Yeah, Enigbari. Yeah, Kingsley Enigbari. This Kingsley is the king man is good. Now he's <laughs> he might be their best rusher on the team. I mean, yeah. he's he's better than Preston Smith. He's better than Van Ness right now. You know, he can really bring the heat. He can rush to power. They're going to have to play him. I think they're good on. And this is not counting Rashawn Gary. I mean, they didn't play him. Mm-hmm. So. And then Aaron Jones played one play for six yards, and you know, and then he got came out of the game. I, I think if Love can just do make the easy, keep it easy, as opposed to making it hard, he's got a he's they got a chance to move the football, you know. And I think they will. I'm I'm not down on Green Bay at all. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not saying that Love's going to be a Pro Bowler, but I don't think Love's a washout. I think that they got enough stuff around him, especially with Watson, especially with Dobbs, especially with with their running game. I think that they can certainly help him. Yeah, well, hopefully Big Daddy's starting to turn a little bit. I know you wrote no, that Big column, Daddy and is, Big Daddy was uh, he was I all up on you. Big, I don't think Big, uh, Big. First of all, Big Daddy's not. You know, it's amazing. He's kind of like you a little bit. Big Daddy <laughs> cannot watch and know. That's a that's an that's an incredible quality to have. You don't even watch the game, but you know, like it's. I don't know how that happens. You watch four games at one time. I don't know how the hell that happens. Uh, Big Daddy, Big doing Daddy the same? doesn't even watch. He just looks at the box score or something, and he knows. It's it's a it's a unique quality to have. It's unbelievable. He's all knowing when it comes to the Green Bay Packers and other He's things as well. I mean, most of these fans are. Most of these fans are all knowing. You know, it's like all these people judging quarterbacking play in preseason. We didn't even talk about. You know, the the Rams, I mean, you know, the Raiders practiced against the Rams. They went down there. Uh, How good are the Rams? I mean, look, they say Stafford's healthy. That's great. Mm -hmm. Right? For how long? How long? Cooper Cup. 
I mean, they're, they have no margin for error. They're a young, young, young team. I mean, they were talking on the broadcast about this receiver from BYU that I didn't even know. I, you know, he's a fifth rounder. He's got, uh, you know, like they talked about him like he was the second coming of John Jefferson. <laughs> oh, it's Puka Nakua. The, the Rams wide receiver. Yeah, there we go. So uh, Yeah, Puka. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're excited about Puka Nakua out they're there. They're excited about Puka. That's, I mean, that's what I was told. I don't know. I didn't see Puka. I didn't watch the practice tape. Mm. But I know this. The Raiders with Raiders look good. Their offensive line's better. I mean, the Raiders are like the Steelers in the sense that their, their execution is good. Are they going to be a good team? I don't know. But O'Connell comes in. I mean, other than one deep throw that he missed, he played really well. He was good. Yeah, I'm telling you, O'Connell. I'm just, we're, we're, we're pumping all the brakes. Faith, I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're pumping the brakes a little bit. We don't want to get too too excited. He took the title away but, from Ellinger as the all all first team all all preseason. I'm telling you, man, something about these fourth round quarterbacks. You take one, and every now and then one of these guys develops into being a quality starter. Maybe that's an Aidan O'Connell's future as well. Before we get out of here, though, Michael, we have Ravens Commanders to wrap up. Uh, week number two straight. of the preseason. Uh, I, I think we're going to see Sam Howell. We haven't seen anything that he's not going to play or gotta, he's going to play. They got to play Howell. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you will see him. And I'm expecting that he's going to be like the starting quarterback there for the team. I believe they already named him the starting quarterback, I want to say. Um, so Sam Howell, no Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson. So the two Pro Bowl QBs for the Baltimore Ravens will be on the sidelines. It'll just be Josh <laughs> Johnson. Just, <laughs> hey, man, well, I mean, these are facts. They got a great quarterback room, too. I mean, I don't know how you – I mean, I would be insulted if I was Baltimore thinking that San Francisco's quarterback room is better than mine. I got two Pro Bowlers That's here. It. I mean, it's factual. Yeah. It's, it's factual. You can't argue with it. <laughs> you can't. Uh, but the Ravens, they did sign Jadavian Clowney, which kind of goes along with what we were saying that it's a little concerning. Their pass rush – is, is, is I think it, the signing of Clowney makes me concerned about Ojabo and Owe, those two young guys that maybe they're not coming along like they had hoped for. Well, I, I think that, and they signed Darby, their corner. I yep. mean, they got to move Humphreys out for a while. I mean, they're hurt. When you start to sign veterans because you got some injuries, their defense is hurting right now, and we'll see where they are offensively. You know, I don't think Lamar's going to play tonight. You know, we'll see their backup offensive line. But, mm. you know, look – uh, that line, interesting. Houston's move from 10 to 9.5. Is Baltimore that good? Mm. We're going to find out. Yeah. The Ravens trying to keep that 24-game preseason streak alive. 24 straight. We'll see if they can make it 25 straight later on tonight. That does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle. We'll be doing our pass catchers, blue chips, red chips, coming up on Thursday. But thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. As always, thank you to you, Michael. Safe travels back to Jersey. We will see you on Thursday for another edition of the GM Shuffle here on the DraftKings Network.